You're listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Here's the deal. If you make disciples by sitting around and talking, you shouldn't be surprised when your disciples sit around and talk and talk and talk. This is the podcast for those weary of just talking and ready to start activating in the mission Jesus gave us to change the world. The Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast, where disciples and disciple makers gather to grow and go together. Here's your host, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Hey friends, so good to have you with us today. Remember, the place for a man, for a woman, completing all their powers is in the spiritual fight. And right now, today, somewhere in the world, making disciples of the nation. So stay tuned, stay encouraged. We have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome back, friends. Great to have you on the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Uh, we are we're always excited about every program we're able to bring to you. Thank you for being uh, loyal and faithful listeners. I'm uh, excited about... Um, um, the opportunities out there to make disciples. One of the things I am doing right now is I'm interim president at Wesley Biblical Seminary. And it's like some kind of exciting stuff around this school, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, we're able to make disciples that are going to go out and make disciples. That's kind of what we uh, we always want to be about. We're making disciples that make disciples. Having said that, I'm always excited to go into the Word of God and try to figure out what is this book of the Bible teaching Matt Friedemann about making disciples. Occasionally, it's always nice to have a friend come along and speak into my life as well. One of my friends, one of the guys that works with us here at the seminary is Jeff Bacus. He is the registrar at the fastest growing seminary in the nation, which is, that's our school. I, I don't know, Jeff, something like somebody told me the other day, uh, quadrupled. Our enrollment in the last five years. It's amazing. Quadrupled. It's amazing. I'm sure what the word quadrupled means, but I mean, it's like a lot more people than we've ever served before. Absolutely. It is so exciting. Uh, listen, Jeff, uh, my, my understanding is you're working on your dissertation now at the University of Wales. That's right. So uh, bring us up to speed a little bit on what that dissertation topic is all about. So I'm looking at a 7th century life of St. Patrick. So this is Celtic hagiography. Um, so obviously, St. Patrick is considered the apostle of Ireland, and this is a, a life uh, written a couple hundred years after his death, and I'm looking at the theological content of the life. So. Wow. Patrick Patrick was some kind of impressive guy. He was. He was. I mean, he took he took Ireland for Jesus, did he not? He, he did, and uh, it, it's an incredible story, just uh, being a slave and then finding his freedom and going back to the, the place of his captivity and uh, ministering to, to them. And he's, his life is just uh, fascinating, and it was not easy, obviously, but um, he's, he's an amazing, important figure in church history. So tell me about uh, Patrick and the snake population of Ireland. Wasn't there some story or legend or something that went along with that? Yeah, so the, the, the story goes is that Patrick um, dispelled the snakes from Ireland, and there's, uh, there's actually, that's actually not in my, my life. My, the work that I'm, the, the life that I'm studying, that account isn't in there, so that's a later development than even my author um, but I doubt there were snakes on Ireland to begin with. Uh, so the the oh, but come the on, idea, man, it's a good story. You Look. know, it's it's again. I'm looking at theology. So if I'm looking at that theologically, what is he doing there? The snake obviously could be symbolic of the devil, sure. the serpent, and sure. he's driving that out of Ireland. Uh, I like so. that. Gotta like that. Well, it, I mean, 
if it's serious that he could drive snakes out of a, of a location, he ought to be probably the patron saint of every woman in America that's uh, <laughs> skittish about it. And not a few men, I might add. Yeah. And so, well, okay. So what we're, we're not doing Patrick today. Is that okay? That's but, fine. But hey, can yeah. we come back at a later date? Sure. And do five? Man, that would be an interesting uh, lineup of... Uh, of an uh, interesting series is let's do five discipleship lessons from some serious people out of uh, Christian history. Yeah. Five from Patrick would be cool. Can you do that for us? Absolutely. I'd love All to. right. So anyway, Jeff Bacus uh, with us uh, here to talk not about Patrick, but about Isaiah. And uh, listen, we are enjoying coming to our people and saying, are there discipleship lessons out of these books of the Bible? And so We've done them up to the book of Isaiah. So can you cover Isaiah for us today? I'll try. Okay. So this one, just five discipleship lessons. And uh, Jeff Bakers is with us serving it up today. And I'm very interested in these because, again, this seminary has been huge into Isaiah for decades. Mm -hmm. We love the book of Isaiah. I mean, who doesn't? Who wouldn't? Uh, So... Number one, discipleship lesson from the book of Isaiah, from Jeff Bacus here, register at the fastest growing seminary in the nation. It's pretty basic, and all, all these are going to be pretty basic. I mean, we've, we've had professors here at Wesley Biblical Seminary, one in particular who's considered the world expert in Isaiah. So these are going to be We could have had him, basic. but we decided, yeah. you know... Let's go for the let's go for the historical theologian. Let's go in the for building. the guy that had a class with yeah. Okay, so anyway, go. So, okay, so first one, God fulfills his promises. Hmm. And Isaiah has the most messianic prophecies of any Old Testament book. And how they fit Jesus perfectly is incredible. And not just the messianic prophecies, though. There's, it's, it's a book of prophecy, and what God says comes to pass. And that's just uh, uh, th- all throughout the entire book. I'm, I'm looking at... Uh, Chapter 9, I mean, this is one of the most famous uh, passages about Jesus. For unto us a child is born unto us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the government, and the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Mm. And so it's amazing, as you walk through Isaiah, seeing all of these different prophecies and how they just fit together so beautifully and perfectly. Um it defies calculation. It defies the mathematical odds of all of these things just fitting together beautifully. And it's just a testament to God. He knows what he's doing, what he says in his word. He will do it, which gives us hope when we read things like, he will fill you with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Mm. He will sanctify you. Mm. He will sanctify you through and through. So one of my favorite, and you you probably know where I'm headed right now. One of my favorite things to preach out of, and uh, to to, and I love going out to the prison with this uh, Isaiah 53, which is so clearly Jesus. Uh, I don't see how you could miss it or even argue with it. But he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. No beauty or majesty we'd be attracted to him. Nothing his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. It just keeps going on. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, mm. and as a sheep before his shears are silent. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. 
And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. I mean, it just keeps going. Beautiful stuff. Mm -hmm. And so particularly Jesus. Yes. How could you deny that's not about Jesus? Yeah. And and that's what the New Testament writers are picking up on. Yep. And they're 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 saying this is the one. What God wrote hundreds of years before fits perfectly. And this is uh, this gives us hope for not just Isaiah, but for all of the biblical canon. What God says, he'll do it. So God fulfills his messianic promises, and uh, that's discipleship lesson number one from the book of Isaiah, number two. Number two, we can trust God no matter what the geopolitical circumstances. Mm. Uh, Isaiah is writing at a time of war. Uh, we have the Syrio-Ephraimite war going on. We have Sennacherib's third campaign, uh, specifically detailed in Isaiah chapter 36. Um, it's a fascinating, fascinating account of Sennacherib threatening Jerusalem under King Hezekiah. And basically he's saying, hey, look at what we've done. We have destroyed everyone. You, you think you can rely on Egypt? They're like, when you lean on that, Rob, you're going to get a splinter, hmm. which is hilarious. Um, and so this, this, this envoy is saying to Hezekiah, don't rely on your God. Don't, don't pray. You're, you're going to get flattened. All these other gods of all these other nations, they've, they tried to do the same thing and failed. But what does Hezekiah do? He goes, I'm going to trust anyway. Hmm. I'm going to pray. Hmm. I'm going to fall down on my face, and I'm going to trust in the Lord that he will deliver me, and he does it. It's always a temptation, though, isn't it? I mean, uh, in that geopolitical scenario, one thing. But for us, it's always a temptation to trust in something else besides God. Oh, absolutely. Trust in money, uh, trust in power, trust in a certain relationship. And and we can do the same thing. Trust in the government yep. or into a political leader. And exactly. God keeps saying, don't do it. Don't do it. The consequences aren't sweet when you do it. Trust in me and trust. me alone. Yeah. And it's all throughout all throughout Isaiah that the theme of trust just comes over and over again. And what happens when you don't trust as well? Yep. Um, the fact that they were exiled stems from a lack of faith, a lack of trust in the Lord. Um, why did they why did they worship other gods? Well, they thought they could trust these other gods more than they trusted in Yahweh, which led to disaster. And so whatever whatever geopolitical things that are going on, whatever even small things that are going on in our lives, we can always turn our trust to the Lord. He will he will get us through even in the most impossible circumstances. This was an impossible circumstance if there ever was one. Yeah. I mean, you're you're surrounded by the largest army in the world. <laughs> there is no hope here. But God's like bigger than army. God's bigger than an army. That's that's, that's the main thing, right? That's there. right. All right. So uh, we're doing discipleship lessons out of the Book of Isaiah. Number one, God fulfills His messianic promises. Praise God. Number two, we can trust God no matter the geopolitical circumstances. Which, by the way, I love because a lot of people are starting to freak out about the geopolitical circumstances right now mm -hmm. in the world. And you got to admit, some crazy stuff happening out there. And I think Jesus comes to us even now and says, trust in me. Number three. Leadership requires humility. Mm. And this is from the famous uh, calling of Isaiah in chapter 6. Um, 
which is a such a beautiful, beautiful image here. We have Isaiah getting this image of the throne room of God. And what is his, his response in verse 5? Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among of people of unclean lips. This was a guy that was chosen by God to, re- to see this vision, this glorious vision, and then to go on mission. And his, res- his, his first response is one of utter and complete unworthiness, utter humility. He recognizes that God needs to do something in him before God can use him in any significant way. And for us, the same thing applies. Yes. If we want God to use us, he needs to do something in us first. He, mm-hmm. we, need to, we need those coals on our lips, and we need to be humble enough to recognize that if God is calling us to something... It's not because of any anything we possess. We fully need his touch before we can step into what God even has called us to do. I, I'm just mindful of throughout Scripture, that it, that's a major theme. Humility works and your pride does not. Mm-hmm. And I'm also mindful that the first beatitude, and I love the beatitudes, so I'm always going back to them. But uh, the first beatitude is, blessed are the poor in spirit. You look at that and say, how could that be the will of the Lord, that we'd be poor? And Luke, by the way, just doesn't say poor in spirit, just says poor. Well, this is how. It says in Philippians 2 that he emptied himself, became nothing, or became poor, or became empty. And if it's good enough for Jesus, it's got to be good enough for us. And humility is exceedingly important for leadership. So says Jeff Bacus. We're doing discipleship principles out of the book of Isaiah, number four. Number four is simply... Ask God for what we need. If we're lacking anything, we just need to ask God sometimes, and it's as simple as that. Um, This comes from chapter 38. Hezekiah uh, comes down with an illness, and he simply asks asks God. Help. Help. (laughs) I need help. And it's, it's, it's a really just fascinating passage. I'm trying to find it here. Um... Um, it says, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. So this is not just a minor, I just I just am recovering from the flu. This isn't a flu. This is, he's at death's door. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, came, uh, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order, because you're going to die. You will not recover. Uh-oh. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And then the Lord says, okay, I'll give you 15 more years. I'll give you 15 more years. Um, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Syria. I will defend this city. Hmm. All he had to do was ask. He asked in humbleness. Yeah, I want to go back to that because that that, that humbleness, that's a, that number three and number four kind of linked yeah, here. They do. Leadership requires humility, and it's the humility that is willing to go before God and beg. Yeah, and that's what he did. He he simply prayed and begged the Lord to deliver him. Hmm. And there you go. And answer to prayer. Absolutely. 
Hey, listen, y'all. Uh, Jeff and I, we serve at a place called Wesley Biblical Seminary. And Jeff, I'm going to ask you to jump in here on this advertisement for Wesley here. Mm-hmm. We got a number of things. We are the fastest growing seminary in the nation. Uh, we have quadrupled in the last five years. Jesus has blessed us beyond all measure. We're so very grateful for it. We got a lot of things, however, we'd love for you to think about plugging in on. If you want to go to our website and find out about all these things, you can do it at WBS, Wesley Biblical Seminary, WBS.edu. And when you do so, you're going to find out about all the kinds of things we do. Now, let me just real quick interview you, Jeff, on the things we do. One of the things uh, that a lot of people are listening to this or lay people they can plug into is the Wesley Institute. And the Wesley Institute is something we do. Early in the mornings, we do it on Tuesdays uh, at 5.45. If you can't make that, we we actually, you can watch the video of our live presentations, and we have seminary professors leading people through the books of the Bible. Is that a worthy program for lay people to think about? Absolutely. It is amazing to hear the stories that have come out of that of people who, they'll break down in tears and say, this has changed my life. Mm-hmm. I had no idea the depths that there were to the Word of God. And even some who've who've been in the church have read their Bible their entire life, they said, there's something about this program that when you get into it, the Lord uses it to reveal things that they just have never seen before in the Word. And it's, 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 it's life-changing for people. So, Jeff, I've been here 37 years, and when I got here, there was a gentleman, the president was named Dr. Harold Spann. Harold Spann always said, a call to ministry is a call to prepare. And so, one of the things we think is good to do is if you're looking to go into ministry, whether it's lay ministry, you know, I, I go out to a prison. If I were to do that prison ministry uh, without a, some education, I think I'd be scared to death. Uh, I just think it's good to go out there with the Word and knowing something about the Word at a depth level. So we think you ought to prepare, and there's a couple programs that can do that with us. Uh, we got some MAs. we got an MDiv. Uh, we got a course of study for the Global Methodist Church. Uh, are these programs worthy of entry? Oh, absolutely. Um, our master's program, our course of study program, which our course of study for the GMC, it are master's level classes. You're taking master's level classes alongside other master's students, and you're taking it credit, no credit, but it's the same content. You're getting the same experience as a master's student. And it By is, the way, they love it. The absolutely. Global Methodist students, they're happy to be some of our brightest students, funnest students. Uh, they're, they're wide open with questions. And you're right, they're getting some great content out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing, one one of the reasons I chose Wesley is because Wesley really, we really focus on heart formation, yes. not just a download of information. And one of the first classes students take here is discipleship and spiritual formation with, uh, with you, uh, Freedy. And one of the things I love about this, and I tell new students uh, this all the time, is that our requirement for the course is to spend an hour a day in Bible study and prayer. And I tell people, I told people this week, that will set you up for success. If you want seminary to be meaningful, if you want seminary to be impactful, if you don't want it to be a, a burden, a lot of people, a lot of students go to seminaries and are just, they're done with it their first semester. Yep. 
that's not our experience here, and it do, and it starts with spiritual formation. So I hear I, I hear this all the time, or I heard it growing up at least that seminary is some of the darkest times of my life. Yeah, never heard that from a Wesley Biblical Seminary student. And one of the reasons is that the very thing you talk about. The first course most people take most people. when they come is uh, uh, the uh, the discipleship spiritual formation class, where they will pray as you've already articulated one hour a day. Um, prayer and Bible study, one hour a day, and most people have never done anything close to that. Yeah. But we hold your we hold your accountable for it. Then they're um, they're also going to be in a discipleship group every week, and most people haven't done that. They know they're supposed to, they haven't done it. The third thing they do is a work of mercy. So they actually go out there and go out to a prison, or go out to a crisis pregnancy center, or go to a public school and do a Bible club. And I mean that those three things together absolutely explode students' lives for Jesus. I yeah. mean, it's it's amazing. So, okay, so we got those programs. The last thing I want you to talk about is the D-Men program. For anybody out there that already has, uh, let's say, a master's or divinity degree, they can go on and get a doctorate degree here. Yeah, it is a great program. It, there's six-month-long classes, which sounds like a lot, but it actually is designed for students to stay in their church context. You come to come to uh, Ridgeland here twice a year uh, for two years, and that's it. And so you're you're the goal is to stay in your church, do ministry while you're getting this education. And the the programs are so integrated; even the classes that you're taking together are related. Um, and it's 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 been amazing to see the Lord bring camaraderie within the cohorts that yeah. start. Um, it's people, of, people, it, people make lifelong relationships yeah, from that. No, it's one of the best things we do, the DMIN program. And listen, you, uh, you, you provide tremendous leadership for all that. So thank you for that. So y'all, th- that's been a long commercial, but I want you to plug into Wesley Biblical Seminary. Check out that, all the things we just talked about, wbs.edu. All right. We're doing discipleship principles from the book of Isaiah. We've done four already. God fulfills his messianic promises Number two, we can trust God no matter the geopolitical circumstances. Number three, leadership requires humility. And number four, and I think it's uh, tied to the, the humility piece, ask God for what we need. Go to him, go to him boldly, go to him in reverence, but ask him, beg him. I, you know what I like to say about that is bother him. I come back to the same requests over and over mm-hmm. and over again until he gives me what I think he wants me to want. And uh, I tell you what, there's something about persistence too. All right, the last one, the last disruption principle out of the book of Isaiah. Jeff Baker's with us here. Thanks. Absolutely. It. We're going to circle back kind of around to the point number one. Live the Jesus-centered life. Mm. I just can't get over how Jesus-focused the book of Isaiah is. If you want to know more about what who Jesus is, apart from the Gospels, read the book of Isaiah. Mm. You'll find Jesus almost on every single page. I mean, even in chapter 61.1, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Mm. How... Where do, why does that sound familiar? Well, that's what Jesus says. <laughs> well, that's that, how he starts his entire yeah, ministry. And there you go. He starts his public ministry saying, "Let's quote this." Yeah, let's read it right off the scroll. Beautiful stuff. Yeah, 
All right. Well, listen, Jeff Baker's here with us. Uh, again, uh, pray for Jeff. He's working on his dissertation at the University of Wales. He's also the registrar here at Wesley Biblical Seminary, doing a tremendous job. Jeff, thanks for your ministry here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today, opening up the book of Isaiah just a bit to us. All right, my dear friends, it's a wrap. Always an honor to have you listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast with Matt Friedemann. Hey, check out our books online. Uh, I've got a bunch of them there, but the most recent one, and the one that won an award with Christianity Today is The Doctrine of Good Works. Go check that out. Also have a substack. Go to Freedy's substack and uh, chew that up a little bit every week. And always, always tell others about this podcast. Remember, my wife thanks you, my daughter thanks you, my sons and their wives thank you, and I can assure that I thank you for listening to Life-Changing Discipleship today. Love God, live clean, keep the faith, make disciples. God bless you, dear friends. We'll see you back here real soon. <music>